Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am back in the podcast studio with the one and only Mr. Garrett Weichel. What's up, Emma? Garrett, you serve in the apologetics ministry at our church. You, I mean, you lead it, really, that team. That's right. that's one of my roles. That's sure. one I mean, of your many roles. My my official title at this time is coordinator of equipping and apologetics. And so, great questions. Uh, Equip disciple. disciple. Jinx. Uh, there you go. Sure, you can take that one. Uh, I get to serve at the institute and getting that. To... Yes, you're like the TA. Yeah, not not like Timothy T, but teachers. No, assistant. teachers yeah. assistant. Yes, yeah, and so. you're recently a, a father. Well, well a you've father. been a father. I've been a father. But your your child has come into this world. Yes, he was born on January. 24th, uh, about a little over three weeks early. Um, thank you for praying for him. If you saw that over the watermark prayer, uh, because yeah. he was in the NICU for two weeks. And I don't think that there's a way where we can see God's sovereign hand more than when we have no control mm. whatsoever. And God, we just have to relinquish our entire selves and even even our newborn son, our firstborn son to him. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was just a beautiful time of, of getting to trust him. And praise God, he uh, my son Evan is healthy. My wife is healthy, and we're getting to have him in our home now instead of in the hospital. So we're Good. really grateful. I love it. Well, we're about to start reading the Book of Exodus. Praise God! And we're doing an overview. So you had a hot take earlier. I wanted to come back to that. Sure. Yeah. Um, my hot take earlier that I said before we got started was that Exodus may be one of the most, if not the most, foundational books for understanding redemptive history in the Bible. Okay. So hear me out. I hear you. I do. Deuteronomy you're getting the first four books all in one. Sure, but Deuteronomy is foundationally driven by Exodus. So if you don't have Exodus, if you don't That's have fair, what God has done there, uh, then you're going you're gonna to miss <laughs> all it. All right. What do we need to know about Exodus? Yeah. So uh, in the Institute, we teach a really simple outline. We say the key word of the book of Exodus is escape. Uh, it refers to even the title of the book. Uh, it means uh, going out or departing. Um, in Greek and generally in Greek. And then the outline of the book, we'd, we'd loosely attribute to redemption in the first half and revelation in the second half. Although, as we talk about it, we're going to see that revelation, God, not not like the last book of the Bible. I'm talking, no. I'm talking about how God reveals himself. The word revelation has the word reveal uh, in the in the prefix of it, how he reveals himself to his people. And so this, this whole book is about God revealing himself to his people in really two different ways. Number one is his words. He, it's what, what God says about himself and concerning himself and how he shows himself to be uh, in what he says to the people, but also it's in his works. And so words and works, see no, two W's? Yeah, um, really, good. really clever there. Um, it's good, his, his works. Keep them coming. There you go. His works are what, I didn't think of that, that. I stole that from uh, Dr. Orrin Martin, if you know him. And uh, so, uh, what a guy. <laughs> but uh, his words and his works throughout this entire book are what reveal God. And so he's, he's already done that through the book of Genesis. He's shown us who he is. He's already worked in a multitude of ways. He's promised things to his people, uh, namely Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant. Like we see all these ways in which God has revealed himself through those. But in Egypt, he begins to show himself uh, not just as one who promises things, but who eventually keeps his promises and continues to work and redeem. And so when I said it's foundational to redemptive history, this is the first big action of redemption that God is really getting to, to illustrate by actually working in the text. And so uh, there's been a lot of smaller ways in which God has has redeemed his people from, from things like... Um, 
when they went over, when Abraham went to Egypt already and uh, was was under uh, Pharaoh's rule in a sense and said, Sarah is, is not my wife, but She's my, my sister. sister. Yeah, it's totally weird. weird. Y'all have read that. Uh, but God has, has, has delivered them from those sorts of things. But now we see as this book starts off, the uh, story of Joseph winds up that all these people, all these Israelites are in Egypt, potentially millions of people are in Egypt. And there came a Pharaoh, a ruler of Egypt, who knew not Joseph. And so in the first 10 verses, it sets up a problem. Uh, these millions of people are here, and there's somebody who does not remember the work of Joseph, as you guys probably just read about here in the last 10 or so days, uh, that, that they don't remember the work that Joseph did on behalf of this people. And so seeing the new Pharaoh come, he sees the people of Israel as a threat instead of a blessing, and he ends up enslaving them. He ends up putting them um, under his rule and ends up uh, further subjugating them to slave labor, more Mm. or less. And so this God, this beautiful God, whom we know, whom we've read about for 50 chapters already in Genesis, um, steps into the story and raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. You guys will read the story of Moses, the the, the crazy way in which he uh, has his life saved from oppressive Egypt, from him taking the life of an Egyptian taskmaster, of him running into the wilderness and having an encounter with God at the burning bush in chapter three. And and time is going to disallow me from diving into all these little stories, but God reveals himself in chapter three. I am who I am. Uh, That which Jesus will claim in John 8, 58, saying, um, before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees understand that claim. It's hearkening back to this moment because they tried to kill him, Mm -hmm. right? And so God reveals himself to his people in his words and what's about to happen is by his works. And so Moses goes back to Pharaoh empowered by God to do these these signs that illustrate God's power before him. And to Moses, Pharaoh asks a question. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Why should I even let these people whom are in my power, whom are doing these things for me, go? And God answers Pharaoh's questions 10 times over what we call the 10 plagues. And so right. the 10 plagues happen, right? God is illustrating his power hey, to wait, Pharaoh. Hey, real quick, what's your favorite one in the plagues? Uh, well, the Passover. Well, besides that, you got to pick The one. Passover. No, besides that. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say a favorite plague. Um, and so I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm going to reject that straight out right. Welcome to the apologetics ministry. And so with, fair. That's um, fair. with this Passover, though, it's so significant because it has it, it has uh, ramifications all throughout the rest of the text. And mm-hmm. so Passover is when God says, I'm going to take the firstborn son of every household to, to frankly show the wrath that he has against uh, Egypt for enslaving his people and not letting his people go. But to those homes, uh, whether Egyptian or Israelite, that would kill an unblemished lamb and put the blood of it over its doorpo- over their doorpost, their household doorpost, uh, the angel of death would pass over them and not take their firstborn. And so the Hebrews obey and they, they follow what God told them to do and God passes over them. But he does strike the Egyptians in this way, which is the straw that broke the Pharaoh's back here and to which he finally says, okay, get these people out of here. But the significance of this is that we get to 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and Paul very specifically says that Christ is our Passover lamb. Christ is the unblemished lamb that takes away our sin. It's it's the Passover lamb being a prototype of what's called the day of atonement sacrifice. What does that word mean, prototype? It means, it means first type. Um, and the, the day of atonement, which is the scapegoat thing where they you 
uh, we will see this play out in Leviticus. Yeah, you can uh, fast forward or go back in time to the Hebrews 9 episode, and we do a little Leviticus overview if we talk about the scapegoat. I got Hebrews 9 in here for Tabernacle, too, so we'll link, great. We'll link that episode in uh, the description. You can you can knit it there. That's perfect. And so, um, it's, it's the type of this thing that is to come, where one takes away the sins of the world. The blood of this one is meant to purify and pay for the sin of those that it accounts for. And mm-hmm. um, Tom Schreiner, uh, New Testament scholar, would say, so too the blood of Christ liberates believers from divine judgment and purifies them from their sin. That's the effect of the Passover lamb for not only the Israelites, but also for us. And so it's salvation through this substitution. Um, and so as this Passover event, we see it most uh, beautiful in Christ uh, as we we get to look back, uh, knowing the rest of redemptive history, uh, we see God continue to deliver his people. So at the Red Sea, he finally defeats his enemies and, yeah, and, he does. and secures freedom for his people by his own hand. Uh, later, he gives them provision through manna, their, their literal daily bread, as we see more hints on this. But we hit this hinge in the book in chapter 19, which is where God uh, makes a covenant with his people, calling them his treasured possession as they uh, have been rescued by him and keep his covenant. He calls them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, which in 1 Peter 2, 9, we see even greater picture of in the life of, of, of us today, that we are his kingdom of priests, that we are now his, beautifully his in the new covenant. And so, so good. Uh, the people make a covenant with God and God gives them the 10 commandments, which again, are God revealing himself to us. Redemption, he just moved in this act that is mm-hmm. referred back to in the Old Testament more than any other event. So again, it's right. foundational to redemptive history because people keep You're convincing back. me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but he also reveals his own heart and man's sinfulness by giving them the law. And so, uh, it regulates right behavior with, within the people of God, but also it shows the character so of God. So let me ask himself. you this. People... Common thought. Oh, in in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law. You had to follow these rules to be right with God. True or false? If by following in these rules, you were trusting in the promises of God, like Hebrews 11 would go on to say. Um, Abraham, then, by faith. By faith. Then that's obey. that's what saves someone, is by understanding that God is going to keep his promises and you act in faith in light of those things. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things unseen. And so if you, by these actions, are demonstrating the faith that you have in the promises of God, that he will do these things and you're listening to him, that is an evidence of an inward reality of faith that already happens has it happened in your life. And so that is uh, the the blood of bulls and goats could never wash away sins. It's Hebrews 10.4. We keep firing at Hebrews. It's a beautiful <laughs> book to read alongside Exodus. I yeah. recommend it for sure. Especially when you get to, my next part in the notes, this tabernacle. Hebrew 9 sheds even new meaning on it because it's a earthly picture of a heavenly reality that is so beautiful. I know we're over time, but I'm going to keep going, Emma. All right, keep going. Um, it's a bonus episode. They get a go. little it's extra. A bonus <laughs> um, and so this tabernacle was meant to uh, be this place where God dwells with his people, resides with his people. Um, and this is, I mean, we're, we're, we're between the chapters of 20 and the chapters of 31 right now in the book of Exodus. Uh, and we see this beautiful picture that God sets up so that he may dwell amidst his own people. But there's this thing called the golden calf that occurs where egregious sin happens in the camp. Uh, the people freak out that Moses has gone on the mountain. And so they turn to worship that which is not God and attribute to that which is not God, the very works of God. That is 
blasphemy straight up. Like it's it's taking what God did and saying, no, 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 it must have been this other, this other thing, this other idol, this other uh, God deity thing that did it. And that has massive consequences. God uh, literally looks at Moses and says, these people are obstinate and I'm going to start over with you. What does obstinate mean? These people are hard-headed. They're sinful. They are rejecting me. Um, they are in Defiant. their sin. They are defiant. They're rebellious. Um, they have turned from me to this other thing that is not me. And he's like, I'm going to start over. And what the beautiful thing about this, this chapter 32 through 34 is that Moses intercedes on behalf of the people and God hears his prayer. And God, Moses appeals to God's own promises to say that you have said that you are going to keep these people, like a line of Abraham, um, the, the, the 12 tribes. We, we probably talked about uh, Genesis 49, where God blesses Judah as one who the scepter will not depart from. Moses is like, I'm not of the line of Judah. I can't bear the scepter. Uh, he didn't say those exact words, but he's sure. appealing to the promises of God to say, this is the people whom you've called out of um, Egypt and, and people who you've made these promises to, land, seed, blessings. We talked about Genesis uh, 12, 12, 15, 15 and 17. 17. Bingo. And so- The people um, should have this memorized right now. Come on, they're great verses. Home. Oh yeah. And God will not break his promises and he reveals himself to Moses beautifully. He says, I'll uphold my promises. Um, that's a, it's an awesome chapter to sit in. And we see him uphold his promises and also reveal himself further to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. At a cleft in the rock, the Lord passes before him and proclaims a beautiful, beautiful picture. If you've got that open, Emma, why don't you read yeah. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's awesome. Uh, I will say a really quick note on that last portion where yeah. it says visiting the iniquity on the third and fourth generation. I would recommend you go look at Exodus chapter 20, um, verses like three and four, I believe, um, with the Ten Commandments. He's referencing back to those, and that sheds some light on who those people actually are. It's those who hate God. It's mm -hmm. not the ones who love God. And so it's a really interesting little, little tidbit there. But after God reveals himself in this way, Moses comes down from the mountain, and his face is shining. It's, it's he has seen the glory of the Lord and his face has the only response of, but to do that. And we with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord as 2 Corinthians 3 says. And so as you read that, hearken into that. And then lastly, the end of this book, the glory of the Lord rests in the ark and the tabernacle amidst the people where God now dwells with his people beautifully. Like he has not done this in this way since the garden of Eden. He has not been with this, again, obstinate people and since then, and so the fact that God would now go with this people who are so rebellious should give us great, great hope and have us look forward in much be more beautiful ways to when God comes and dwells with his people, when the son of, when the, the very son of God takes on flesh. Uh, and so the book of Exodus is a beautiful, beautiful book, and it illustrates how God reveals himself by his works and his words. Uh, and so as you read, I would just keep that in mind and know that this book is always going to be referred back to. And all the other historical books that you'll be able to track through this year on Join the Journey. So good. Thank you, Garrett. Thanks for your time, your study, your commitment to rightly handling the Word of Truth. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.